So we continue on and you're, we're at Genesis chapter 20. And Abraham and Sarah, they go to Gerar. So they're traveling, they go to a little south and they travel to Gerar and they meet Abimelech, king of Gerar. And I want to just put this in right now. Abimelech is not really the person's first name. It's more of a title because we're going to meet another Abimelech later on. And I want you to just know the difference. It's more of the title. So the king of Gerar is Abimelech. And they meet the king. And Sarai, or Sarah now, once again is told to say, I'm Abraham's sister, not his wife. Abraham tried this before in Egypt, and the Pharaoh, you know, took um, his wife, and there was a whole big issue. And now he's trying it again. And so in, in the city of Gerar, a we can say that Sarah is like open for marriage. But God intervenes and he speaks to Abimelech and he has restrained Abimelech from touching Sarah because Abimelech wanted her himself. And what happens is, you know, he, Abimelech speaks to Abraham and said, you know, why you deceive us and all of that. And Abraham actually has to pray for Abimelech pray for Abimelech's family. And one of the reasons why is because God has made everyone connected to Abimelech barren because of this sin, because um, Sarah has gone into his house. And so after Abim uh, Abraham prays for Abimelech and his family, you know, they begin to have babies. So the main verse of this chapter is verse 13. And it came to pass when God caused me to wander from my father's house that I said to her, this is your kindness that you should do for me in every place, wherever we go, say of me, he is my brother. So it gives us a, gives us a clue of the instruction that Abraham has given to Sarah. When God called him out of his family's house and told him to, to go to different places, he's, uh, Abraham speaks to Sarah and said, listen, do this kindness for me. Wherever we go, say that I am your brother and not your husband. Sarah's beautiful, right? And, you know, if it is the brother, that if someone takes Sarah and marries her, then Abraham would get blessing. He would, you know, be, be looked on as favorably. But because she's so beautiful, someone wants her, they might try to kill Abraham. So he was trying to preserve himself by giving her this instruction. So he uses it twice and both times it's not a good thing. So there we are. We're moving. We're moving. I hope you're with me. We're moving into Genesis chapter 21. And we return to the promised child. Remember the promise that God has given Abraham? Listen, it's not Ishmael. It's not going to be a, a, the servant in your house. You are going to have a baby with Sarah. So Sarah, conceives, right? And I love verse one of this, which is, I think, the main verse for me of this chapter. It says, and the Lord visited Sarah as he had said, and the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. That is so reassuring. It's so reaffirming that God visits and he does exactly what he says he will do. So I pray that you will take that for your life today. God is faithful. Remember I said at the beginning, is faithful. He will visit at you and he will do what he has said at the right time. He is true to his word. So Sarah, she's about to have a baby. She conceives and she has this baby when she is 90. All right. Abraham is 100. 
Now, the interesting thing is that when God called Abraham out of his um, father's house, he's about 75. So some time has passed, 25 years has passed some time when he receives the child that God was talking about. And so they have this bouncing baby boy and they name him Isaac, which means laughter. Both parents have laughed when God said, listen, you're still going to have this child because they were old. Now they have this child and the household dynamics begin to change. Ishmael, who is about 13 years old now, remember his Abraham's older son by Hagar, the maid's servant. Well, now Ishmael is mocking Isaac, right? And Sarah wants Abraham to cast him out with his mother. But Abraham is, is grieved about it. And God says to him, listen, don't be. God is still going to bless him, still going to do something great for him. So don't worry. So Abraham sends him, um, Ishmael and Hagar out and they wander in the wilderness. And I look at the text and I see like he gives her bread and I think, and a bottle of water. How long could that, that last for? So the food and the water runs out and Ishmael's about to die. And his mother Hagar leaves him and goes off because she's like, I just don't want to see him die. And she will obviously die a little bit later on, but God comes and he restores him. And of course, gives them what they need to survive. And so Ishmael grows in the wilderness and he becomes an archer many, many years later and he will go on to marry someone from Egypt. So we see that his, there's a life story to Ishmael. Later on, he will also become a ruler of a large tribe and they will be nomads living in the wilderness, but they will be hostile to Israel which will be the descendants of uh, Abraham, and they are hostile to God. So that's just give you an overview of the life of Ishmael, uh, just to show you that when God says that he's still going to do something in his life and still allow him to be a leader, it does come to pass. So uh, yeah, let's let's continue on, <laughs> right? So after this beautiful thing happens with Isaac being born, and then now Ishmael is off, but he's being taken care of, uh, the Lord, uh, continues to show his faithfulness. And uh, Abraham makes a treaty with Abimelech, which is the king of Gerar, wh where they are, that they will deal truthfully with each other and their descendants. And they make this treaty or covenant by Beersheba. It may not mean a lot to you right now, but these names will come back up. Abimelech, king of Gerar, and that covenant that he makes with Abraham that they will treat each other truthfully, treat each other well, and not only them, but their descendants, all right? Because remember, Abraham now has Isaac, who will have a child named Jacob, and we will see them come back to this very covenant that was made. So we continue on, and when Isaac, he, he grows up, and he, when he's about 12 years old, God goes to Abraham and asks Abraham to take his son of promise, Isaac, carry him to Mount Moriah and sacrifice him. Now you're talking about human sacrifice that God takes pleasure in that. No, listen more to this to the story, what happens. So Abram 
he obeys. He, he starts off right away and he takes his son and he goes into, they find the place where God has said, and he takes him up to the, the mountain and he uses this beautiful full phrase and he says, we're going up to worship, to worship. So it just lets you know that worship is not just the songs that we sing or the dances that we dance. Worship has to do with sacrificing unto God, not people, right? But sacrificing your life and giving of yourself to God. So when he gets up there, he makes the, the whole pillar and he puts the wood on it and he uh, and he's about to lay uh, his son Isaac on top and kill him. And as he's about to do that, in obedience to the instruction of the Lord, God intervenes and says no. And he lets Abraham know that, listen, I'm going to read verses 16 to 17 to hear God's heart. He says, by myself, I have sworn, says the Lord, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your only son, blessing, I will bless you and multiplying, I will multiply your descendants as the stars of the heaven and as the sand, which is on the seashore and your descendants shall possess the gate of their enemies. So God brought him there. And basically, Abraham didn't kill Isaac, but he sacrificed himself. He showed that there was nothing more important to him than God and obeying God's word, being true to God, being faithful to God. And when, when God sees that truly, even this is the son of promise, okay? <laughs> Look what you did. You had a child with Hagar trying to move me along. This is the son that you've been waiting for. God says, now I know that you will withhold nothing from me. And I, I pray for all of us, we would get to that place that we would withhold nothing, nothing from God. Doesn't matter what, he is worthy of more than anything that we can possess or achieve or attain. And so God tells Abraham, no, don't kill him. And I have provided for myself the ram. What I'm asking for, look, there's a ram caught in the bushes over there in the thicket. And he goes, he gets the ram and Abraham kills it and makes a sacrifice. And both Abraham and Isaac descend the mountain. And so we see, we see that God has done a work in Abraham's heart, the place where he could ask this from him. And there God uh, moves so beautifully in Abraham's life. And Abraham calls the name of the Lord Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide. So Abraham dwells in Beersheba with his son, with his family, with his possessions. And he, he learns of his brother Nahor. Remember, he had two brothers, Nahor and the other brother who was Lot's uh, father dies early, right? So he learns of Nahor's children by his, uh, by his wife, Milcah. So he has a child named Bethuel, and Bethuel has a child named Rebekah. So Abraham has learned that his brother has a child. So Abraham has a nephew, and the child has a daughter. So Rebekah is Abraham's great niece, okay? All right, so let's move on because Rebecca is another person who's going to be very important to our story. Genesis chapter 23, here we are. And Sarah, 
dies at 127. All right. She lives and she dies at 127. And when you do the math, she had approximately 37 years with Isaac. So I, I was like, yeah, God, thank you for giving her time with the son of promise, with the son that she waited for for so long. Remember, she had him at 90. So she had a, a few years well with him. And Abraham is in Hebron. And he has no roots in the land, and he bargains with Ephron for the cave of Machpelah. And the man refuses to, to, to take it for free. Abram wants to pay for it. The custom of the day is that there was this bargaining going back and forth, and then the person who uh, who owns the property would give them a exorbitant price, a high price, and then the person who wants to purchase the property would pay half for it. So that was a custom of the day. So there's this bargaining going on, and Abraham, uh, he says he wants this, this cave to bury Sarah, and Ephron says, listen, it's 400 shekels of silver. Now that was really, really high. It was worth about 200. But what does Abraham do? He pays the whole 400. It lets us know, firstly, that he had a generous spirit. He was a man who was respected and also lets you know that he had become very wealthy. And he buries uh, Sarah in this cave. And later on, he himself will be buried there along with Isaac and Jacob. So it's a very a prominent place. Even up to today, it's a very important place. And the key verses we're looking at in this chapter are verses 5 to 6. And the sons of Heth answered Abraham, saying to him, Hear us, my Lord, you are a mighty prince among us. Bury your dead in the choices of our burial places. None of us will withhold from you his burial place, that you may bury your dead. So we see right there that he's a mighty prince. Abraham's a mighty prince. They, they respect him. They respect his wealth. And, you know, that's how it goes. So Abraham... Now he's lost Sarah. He wants Isaac to marry someone from his relative, for his family, and not of the Canaanites. He doesn't want them to intermarry the Canaanites who are not followers of God. He wants someone along his, uh, his kinsman family, right? And he sends his servant, Eliezer, and just a, a little note, this was the person who Abraham first thought would be the heir to everything. His oldest servant would receive everything. And God said, no, don't worry, you're going to have a child. So Isaac is here. And now he sends that same servant to the city of Nahor and um, to find a wife for uh, Isaac among among his family. And he meets Rebecca. Remember, I just said that name. So it's Abraham's great niece. And the servant asks the Lord for help in the entire thing. He says to the Lord, you know, may she be, uh, follow this sign that I, I ask and all of these things. He includes God in every step of the way. And so the sign was that the custom was that the woman would offer passersby the drink, a drink of water from the well that they go to. Uh, but when Eliezer left, he took 10 camels of Abraham. So he's got all these camels. And the sign was that it not only would she offer him a drink, but she would offer the camels water too. She would provide for the camels. And now that goes beyond the custom. The custom is you give the passerby water, but not their animals. So he wants someone who has a generous spirit and goes above and beyond. And when he gets to the well, in the city of Nahor, he meets Rebecca and she passes the test. She offers water to him and to the, the 10 camels, all right? And so, like I said, 
Eliezer, he asks God's help in the entire process, blesses God, worships God when he finds Rebecca. And even when he goes to Rebecca's home, her father's home, who is Bethuel, uh, he relates the story and he just shares God all over it, what God's part in it and all of what God is doing. And so he's welcomed into Rebecca's home and he meets Bethuel, who is Rebecca's father, but also Laban, which is Rebecca's brother. And so they, they talk, he, he spends a night with them, and the, the, when Laban and the father are together, <laughs> this is interesting, the father says, listen, take Rebecca as the Lord has spoken. You know, we bless it and go. But the next day, the mom is there now, and Laban is with the mom and says, let her stay with us for 10 days, and then she will go. But Eliezer, he's not having it. He's not going to give room for any unnecessary delay. God has spoken. God has moved. And so he's like, listen, ask her if she'll go with me because we got to move. And Rebecca says she'll go. And so when she goes, they're arriving on, on camels and everything. When she learns it's Isaac, who is also wealthy and respected, um, that is going to be her spouse, she sees him coming from afar and in respect. In the custom of respect, she gets off the camel, she puts on a veil, all right? And then it, it, it ends off, the chapter ends off so, so nice. This is to show how these are real people in the real story. And verse 67 says this, Then Isaac brought her into his mother Sarah's tent, and he took Rebekah, and she became his wife, and he loved her. So Isaac was comforted after his mother's death. So remember, Isaac was a son of promise, the only child of Sarah, as far as we know. And um, he missed his mother dearly. But God gave him a wife and he was comforted. And that, I think, shows that God cares about our affections. He may not give you a husband or a wife when you're sad, but he cares and he knows what you need to move your story forward. Mm -hmm.